Well, this is Martin Luther King weekend, and so it seems like a good time to reflect on some of who he was and what gifts he had given to this nation. You know, he was only 28 years old when he, he and a few other leaders founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and Dr. King became its leader. Eleven years later, he was dead. I mean, he was so young and did so much. When you listen to some of his preaching and his letters, you begin to understand the power of his words. And you know, the one we all have heard over and over again is the I Have a Dream speech. But there are so many others that are well worth hearing and frankly, equally pertinent today as they were then. So what I'm going to do today is share some of those with you. It is, after all, the dreams and the visions and the possibilities of what can be which shape the world. Part of why we do a mission study. It helps to shape our dreams for this church. And sometimes we know about listening to our dreams, and other times we forget. But I, Israel knew that. And when they would listen, God spoke and called her to something grand and majestic, to a world of justice and peace, of liberation and inclusion. And there were times when they just did not want to hear when enemies of the dream came and threatened to take away that dream or dim its light, it was then that God sent other voices, like watchers on the city walls and warn of the danger. And so you have someone like Isaiah who comes along and he proclaims, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You will be a crown of beauty in the hands of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be called forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Upon your walls, O Jerusalem, I have posted sentinels all day and all night, and they shall never be silent. Well, we all need sentinels, and Dr. King was one of those. Listen to what he said. First, we are challenged to develop a world perspective. No individual can live alone. No nation can live alone. The world in which we live is geographically one, and the challenge we face today is to make it one in terms of brotherhood. In today's world, he'd probably also add sisterhood. John Dunn caught it years ago and placed in geographic terms, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And he goes onward toward the end to say, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in humankind. Therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. We must see this, believe this, and live by it. 
challenged to eradicate the last vestiges, vestiges of racial injustice from our nation. I must say this morning that racial injustice is still the black man's burden and the white man's shame. It is an unhappy truth that racism is a way of life for the vast majority of white Americans, spoken and unspoken, acknowledged and denied, subtle and sometimes not so subtle. The disease of racism permeates and poisons the whole body politic. And I can see nothing more urgent than for Americans to work passionately and unrelenting to get rid of the disease of racism. Something positive must be done. That's from his Sleeping Through a Revolution. Well, the reality is that violence was really there for anyone who were the targets of racism. And so the question became, would they choose to fight violence with violence or was there some other way? What weapons could they use in their struggle for freedom and dignity? Dr. King says, the alternative to violence is the method of nonviolent resistance. This method is nothing more and nothing less than Christianity in action. Those of us who call the name of Jesus Christ find something at the center of our faith where we forever reminds us that God is on the side of justice and truth. It goes on to say, Jesus recognized the, uh, the need for blending opposites. He knew that his disciples would face a difficult and hostile world where they would confront the recalcitrance of public officials and the intransigence of the old order. He knew that they would meet cold, arrogant men whose hearts had been hardened by the long winter of traditionalism. So he said to them, <clears throat> Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he gave them a formula for action. Be you therefore as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It's pretty difficult to imagine a single person having simultaneously the characters of the serpent and the dove. But this is what Jesus expects. We must combine the toughness of the serpent and the softness of a dove, a tough mind and a tender heart. And then in another writing, he goes on to say, nonviolence does not seek to defeat or humiliate the opponent, but to win his friendship and understanding. The nonviolent resistor not only refuses to shoot his opponent, he refuses to hate him, to strike back in the same way as his opponent would do nothing but increase the existence of hate in the universe. Along the way of life, someone must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of height. Nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral questions of our time, the need to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to violence and oppression. <coughs> well, like the prophet of old, Dr. King's vision for black folk was a new name and a new way of living. And for our nation, it was the opportunity to be what Isaiah had called a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, no more forsaken and desolate, but one whom God would call, my delight is in her. Think about what it takes to change a nation and its point of view. You really wonder why anybody would even dare to think they could do that. And a 
we know that Dr. King did a great deal. But of course, he didn't do it alone. <coughs> Excuse me. Behind and beside Martin stood a host of women and men, children, black, white, and all the shades in between, who'd heard the watchman cry out and joined to do battle with the entrenched forces of evil. Everybody doing a little bit, each one doing something, and together they changed our society. Still in that change, but they changed it. And for some it was a quiet battle, for others, it was a very dangerous one, and we know some of the stories. And of course, the greatest danger was for the watchman who cried out the loudest. And he knew that. Dr. King knew that. In fact, he talked about it the very night before he was killed. I never could get past this part without weeping a little bit. Well, he says, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter to me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I'd like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up on the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we, as a people, will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I've had three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to remember that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. And I want you to be able to say that that day that I did in my life clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I just want to leave a committed life behind. That's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not have been in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once fraught, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Thank you. So what of us? You know the battle is not over. The forces that would limit life, the evils of prejudice and discrimination, of oppression and racism are still very much abroad in this land. We've seen some of the ugly side of that in the past years. So what part do we play? What will we do so that at the end of time, we too will be able to say, my living shall not have been in vain. Amen. <laughs>